In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, uh, your dear Lord Jesus Christ is the one who opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. He is the one who taught us to pray to him for our daily bread. And he is the one who gives that daily bread to us. Your dear Lord is the one who not only made you and all creatures, but he is also the one who sustains you. He has given you your body and your soul, your eyes, your ears, all of your members, every limb of your body, every finger, every toe, all of your reason, your ability to think, your ability to speak, your senses, your sense of sight, your sense of smell, touch, taste, and so on. He numbers the very hairs on your head. And he not only gives you all these things, but he still takes care of them. So this means that you can look to everything you are and anything that you have. Your shirt, your dress, your shoes, your breakfast, your coffee, your dinner, your house, your bed, your car, even your wife, your children, all of your pets, your animals, everything you have. And you can say with the utmost certainty and confidence within childlike faith, Jesus gave this to me. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I didn't work for it. Jesus gave these things to me. You can look at it and say it is God who richly and daily provides me with everything that I need. Now, this is what the gospel lesson for today was about. Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. Jesus teaches us something in the feeding of the 4,000. In theology, we have a word for this. We call this divine providence. It simply means that God is providing Right? He's the, the, the one who provides. The Bible teaches us that God didn't just create the world and let it go, but he is intimately involved even now. It's not like God created you and sits back and says, okay, now it's your turn. I did my part. Now just make it to the end of your life and then I'll, I'll be back. Uh, God is not idle. He's not a spectator. He controls and preserves all things. Psalm 121 says, God made heaven and earth. He who keeps you will neither slumber nor sleep. And why is that? John 5, 17 says, Jesus says, my father is working until now and I am working. And Acts 17 says, God made the world and everything in it. He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything in him. We live and move and have our being. God still takes care of you. Okay, so the usual way that God takes care of you and provides for you is through means. Uh, he uses this word, uh, he uses means, and this word uh, comes from the Latin, which means middle, right? So in other words, when God uses means, he's using a middleman, so to speak, something in between you and him to get you what he wants to give you. Uh, so he uses someone or something to deliver it to you. And this is how God usually gives you a piece of bread, for example. So some, this is the process. A farmer will sow seed in a field, uh, then it rains, and then the sun comes, uh, and after some time it grows up, it turns to wheat, 
and then this, uh, this farmer collects the wheat, he pours it into a big machine, he grinds it, he makes flour, then somebody else adds water to the flour, uh, bakes it, puts it into a plastic bag, and then somebody else comes, drives the truck to the store, loads uh, the, 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 the truck with bread, uh, drops it off at the store. Then you get in your car and you drive to the store, uh, you reach into your wallet, you give them money, and you pay for the bread and you bring it home. And that's how you get bread. Now this is how God works to get you a piece of bread. And this is how God usually provides for you. Now notice I've been emphasizing and repeating the word usual a lot, or usually. God usually uses means, but he doesn't always. In fact, he doesn't even have to. God uses means because it pleases him to, and he's a God of order. He loves the structure. He loves this whole process. He loves working through it. He loves to work this way through people. But again, he doesn't have to. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3 says, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So if you understand what that's saying, it's saying that God not only has the power to feed and preserve us apart from the means, but it's teaching us that it is not the bread that nourishes us and sustains us, but it is God who does so. In fact, the only reason bread satisfies your stomach is because God told it to. And so this means that if God wants to keep you alive without bread, and without these means, he can do just that. If God wants to keep you alive without food or drink or medicine, he can. It is not the surgery or the food or the medicine that is healing you or taking care of you. It is God. He uses these means, but he doesn't need to. Now, this is what is so interesting about the gospel lesson for today. Jesus feeds 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. He didn't have to do it in this way. In fact, uh, he could have done it another way. Uh, for example, he could have just zapped the hunger out of everybody's stomach, right? He sees the 4,000 people there, and he could have just snapped his fingers and said, poof, it's gone. You're not hungry anymore. Everybody go home. And that would have been just as good of a miracle, right? Uh, but he didn't. And why not? <laughs> it's because he's teaching them something else. He wanted to show them with their own eyes where bread comes from. This is why Jesus drew them out into the wilderness, a massive crowd of people with no stores, no homes, no wheat or soil or rain or anything growing there. He draws them out away from all of the means, away from the middlemen, away from the whole process of making food. He draws them far away, three days journey away from the entire manufacturing process of food. And then he says this, Jesus is setting this up. He says to his disciples, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days. They have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. Uh, and some of them have come from far away. So the disciples look around and they see none of the means available 
None of the middlemen, none of the processes, none of the buildings, none of the, uh, the, 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 the uh, manufacturing process. And what do they say? They say, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? Uh, the original Greek comes across stronger. They say, who is able or who has the power, who's even capable of giving bread to these people? They're going to go back with hungry and we don't have enough bread. We have seven pieces of bread. They're going to go back to their homes. They're going to faint and some will die on the way. It's inevitable. And what Jesus is doing is he's saying this. You all say we don't have the stuff to do it. And this is precisely what Jesus is teaching. He can and he is able to do it. He doesn't need the stuff to do it. In other words... Jesus took them to a place without any means, without any middlemen, with none of the in-between stuff that God usually uses. He brings them in the middle of nowhere to show them where bread really comes from, directly from his hand. He is the one who opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing, whether he uses means or not. Even more, I want to drive this point home. It's not that three days ago for these people, for these 4,000 people, they were being uh, fed by farmers and bakers and chefs and that on this particular day, they get to be fed by Jesus. What a, what a privilege and honor. No, the point is, is that three days ago, years ago, their entire life, Jesus has been feeding them the entire time. He did it through the farmer, through the baker, through the chef, but it was Jesus who was doing the feeding. And today, they're able to see directly where it's coming from without anything in between. So why am I saying all of this? I'm saying this and I'm emphasizing this so much today because more often than not, we are incredulous and distrusting of Jesus as those disciples were. In fact, we often give more credit to the means or the process of the giver than to the giver himself. Uh, we trust more in the process and the way God gives the gift instead of God himself. And so when we can't see the means and when something in the process is broken, we can't see the means to get it, then we start to panic. Uh, when we look at our bank account, we panic and then we wonder, how in the world God is going to feed us? I mean, after all, how can God feed us without money? How can he keep us alive without bread or a store or a car? How, who can do this? How can God take care of me without means? He needs this stuff, right? Without these things, he can't, he's what tied up? He can't do anything? Do you see how foolish this is? We're like a dog uh, staring at uh, a bowl and panicking when that bowl is not there from one day to the next. And, and the dog looks at that bowl and wonders how he's going to eat if the bowl is not where it was the last time. Uh, he trusts that the bowl is giving him the food instead of looking to his gracious master and saying, he will take care of me whether there's a bowl there or not. <laughs> Many of you have pets, right? Um, and you take care of them. Uh, and you won't let your pet hunger or starve, right? Uh, you'd have your dog eat out of your hand directly before you let him go hungry, right? Uh, 
Do you think that you are more kind and loving to your pets than God is kind and loving to you? Do you think that you can take care of your pets better than God knows how to take care of you? This is the point. Our faith is so weak and misplaced that we begin to panic when we can't see the usual means that God uses. But the truth is that the means don't matter when it comes to God. We need them, but God doesn't. And this means the money and the food is not our God. God is our God. As long as we have God, then we have everything we need. It doesn't matter if we can't see how God will provide it. That doesn't concern you to figure out how he's going to feed you. God will feed you. He will provide. He said so. He will not lie. He tells you this in the Lord's Prayer. He tells you to pray for this. You you pray, uh, give us this day our daily bread. God tells you to pray that because he fully intends to answer that prayer. Now, keep in mind, your daily bread is everything that you need for this body and life. We oftentimes believe the lie that we need a lot more than we already need or have to live. Uh, We think we need more food or better food. Uh, We think we need a better house, a bigger house, more comfortable clothes, more vacation. That is not true. All of this is extra. And uh, in fact, this is very hard for rich people to understand. Your daily bread is clothing. No matter how uncomfortable or unfashionable it might be. Uh, Your daily bread is food. No matter how stale or little it might be. Your daily bread is a roof over your head, no matter how small and leaky it might be or how many roaches and rats live with you. You may not be rich or have everything you ever dreamed of, but God will give you what you need to survive. He tells you to pray for it because he wants to give it to you. So when we start to see things dwindle, and the means go away, we get anxious and worried. And so we think we need to work harder. And the reason we do this is because we don't really trust that God is giving us our daily bread. We think that we are earning and it it depends upon us, not upon God. So let me ask you something. Uh, You're all Lutherans here uh, for the most part, right? And you've grown up Lutheran. Uh, And I would say that you are the best Lutherans in all of Florida. Uh, without exaggeration, right? Uh, Now, you know what it means to be Lutheran. Uh, You drive here from long distances to hear one thing, the gospel, the forgiveness of sins. That is why you come here. That that is why you wake up early in the morning. You don't sleep in this day. You spend the money on gas and whatever just to get here to hear that. And you know that Jesus died for all of your sins, that you're saved by grace through faith alone and not by works as Ephesians chapter 2 says. But imagine, just imagine for a moment that you didn't. Imagine that you never heard the gospel. Imagine that you truly believed and thought that your salvation was not a gift, the free gift of God, as we heard, but that it was something you must earn, a wage, uh, something you you work for. Imagine that you truly deeply believe that. Okay, Uh, would it be fair to assume that you would just be a little anxious and on edge all the time. 
I know I would be. That I would be constantly worked up about it, wondering if I've done enough, if I was good enough, what I need to do to earn my salvation. I would be anxious and worried, losing my appetite, not sleeping at night, all because I knew I could have done better. I could have worked more. That is the reason I'm getting into heaven. Okay. Um, uh, but you know well there's nothing to worry about. Uh, Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross for you is for your salvation. He died once and for all. Your salvation is not in your hands but in the hands of Jesus. So you don't have to, uh, you can get sleep tonight. You can, uh, you, you have, uh, you still have your appetite. You don't have to worry or be anxious about your salvation because you know Jesus is taking care of it, right? You don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to stay awake at night. You have Jesus who does everything for you so you can sleep well and go cheerfully on with your life no matter what happens. No matter how you feel, you know Jesus will take care of you. Okay, now let's imagine that you thought that your daily bread comes because of your own work, your own doing, that it would come in the same way. Imagine that you truly believe that you keep yourself alive, that you earn your daily bread and that it's not a free gift from God. Would it be safe to assume that each day you would be a little concerned or worried or anxious or stressed out all the time if you had enough food or money or health and so on? Okay, what does this tell you? It tells you that deep down you really believe that God will take care of your salvation but he has forgotten you and left you on your own in this life. That he is not involved here. It tells you that you believe you earn these things when you worry, when you are anxious about it, when you fret about these things. You think that your life is in your hands. It tells you that you don't really trust that Jesus will give you daily bread. Repent. Stop looking to yourself. Stop trusting in the means and put your trust in the one who gives it. Trust that the one who has already taken care of your eternal salvation will also care for you in this veil of tears. Trust that the God who opened his hand to receive the nails of death for your salvation is the same God who opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. Romans 8.32 says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things, including daily bread? The God of heaven is also the God of earth. The God who cleanses your soul is also the God who cares for your stomach. The God who gives you the God who made you is the one who still takes care of you. I want to close with this final point. Uh, I know some of you are in need. Uh, some of you are lacking. Some of you are facing hardship and trouble. And some of you have a lot less now than what you used to have. Uh, for those of you who aren't worried uh, and are doing fine. Uh, pay attention to these words for the days 
uh, that are going to come when you will be in this same position, when you will lose the things you have, when you will have less than what you have now. I want you to take comfort in what Jesus did in this miracle. When Jesus led the 4,000 out into the wilderness without foods or any means, do you think that Jesus forgot that they needed food? Do you think that all of a sudden he's teaching and then he realizes, oh my goodness, these, these people are hungry. What am I going to do? I, 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 he just improvised this. No, he knew it all along. In fact, he designed it that way. He brought them out there deliberately, on purpose, to place them in a momentary need. He brought them to a place where it was clear that they could see and feel their danger. In other words, he put them into that position. And why? He put them in that position of hunger for their good, for their benefit, so that they would rely upon him. And that they would look to him alone for life. They had nothing else to look to but him. God puts us oftentimes into these positions because we don't realize that Jesus is all we need until we realize that he is all we have. And that means whether you have much or little, whether you struggle now or not, whether you're healthy or terminably ill, God has put you in this very position, the position now for your good and for your benefit. He has a purpose for it. The position you're in is the position that the Lord has placed you in, and it is the best position for you now. Why? I don't know all the details. You don't either. But God does. And that's what matters. He knows what he's doing. And he will not harm you. He has compassion on you. He sustains you. He forgives you. He loves you. And when he decides and when he wants, he will call you home to be with him forever. And he will take you from this veil of tears and sorrow and bring you into paradise. And you, there, you will not need bread or drink or light or anything. And he will keep you alive always the way he kept you alive in this life. With his word alone. As long as you have him, then you have everything you need. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.